Welcome back, Chelsea fans. This is episode number 31 of the Romans Empire podcast. It's been depressing. It's been sad. It's been confusing. It I feel like feels, I feel like the sky is falling right now. Like it, it is, and uh, it it just feels like we're in a relationship that is very, very dysfunctional right now with the manager, and um, that there's nothing we could do about it to replace it. Like I feel like at this point in time, um, we're kind of like a Jerry Springer show, aren't we? Yeah, and it's it's it seems like we're in for a rude breakup as well. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think this is the time where you know the real Chelsea fans they uh, stick through and have faith in their squad, and it's the you know the fair weather fans that kind of give up all hope. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a fair weather fan, but I'm pretty close to giving up all hope, Zach. To be completely honest, but. <laughs> You know, I I guess that's kind of fair to say, but at the same time, like this is the club we love, right? And right, we have to support exactly. them win or lose, even though at times it might be very, 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 very hard Did you say to very? support them. Did you yeah. Say, okay. I don't know if I emphasized it enough, but yeah. um, I mean, besides that, um, how was your week? I guess. Oh. <laughs> Let's just let's just get into this game, Zach. I don't I don't I don't want to talk about my life. Let's just talk about this. No small talk right now. Is this just like a straight breakup? I mean, is this a kind of talk that the club needs to have with Antonio Conte? Because apparently there's like a lack of communication going on there. Well, from what I heard after the Watford game, um, they held a team meeting and apparently they didn't even discuss Antonio Conte's future. They, they they announced that to the fans that they had a meeting. They didn't talk about Antonio Conte's future. That's that's the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard in my whole entire life. They for sure discussed Antonio Conte in that board meeting, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I just I I don't know. I mean, going into this game, I look at our lineup, and we have the same back three, technically back four with Courtois that won us the title last year. And arguably um, the best defense in the Premier League last year because, I mean, we were incredibly organized with that back three. And then I, I, I look at some of these other players on this list, including our back three, and just think to myself, what the fuck happened? Like, you know, we we got Gary Cahill. And I guess – and I know this isn't in a script song, but I just kind of want to go player by player and talk about them individually because – this was the first time in my whole entire life, or maybe not in my whole entire life, um, but definitely in a long time, where I've seen a football team go out onto the pitch, and I only see one or t- maybe two players who actually gave a shit. No, Zach, I, you know, I can tell you exactly the last time you saw that happen. Um, that was Jose Mourinho's second stint, um, and the whole entire team gave up, and Really, the only person who was playing hard was another uh, defender, JT, um, longtime blue, and he had faith in the club, but and faith in the in the manager. But um, it just shows that I think that our squad and the players they they command a lot of um, of, Rom- of Roman Abramovich's like they they make him play, they force him to play his hand and to sack a manager when uh, you know their things aren't going right for them. I think. I, I I just think it's interesting how you know how how unpublicized Roman Abramovich has made himself um, about the last year or so, right? Like our title winning season, I know every single match the camera would pan to him at one point of him clapping in his box seat, you know, with that big smile on his face and no one within five feet of him. I mean, that's just like vintage Roman, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I can't recall a time this season where I actually saw him sitting. Um, in his box seats this season and and what's interesting is like as far as I know he only visited the training ground once this year which I know he doesn't do um, a lot but you would think when things are kind of in shambles he doesn't want to shell out the 20 some odd million that it's going to cost to sack Conte Um, and he would probably fly his ass out to London and you know have a little chat with the manager but we just don't see that right now, and, and I'm not I'm, I'm not slagging off Roman Abramovich at all. I'm not saying he's a terrible I'm not saying he's a terrible owner. Um, I'm not saying that he sucks and he needs to go. But 
I mean, a little bit of ownership would be nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, the thing with, Ro- with Roman is I don't think he's necessarily like a football guy, you know? I mean, he owns a team, but I don't know if he's necessarily a football guy. That's why he hires. So um, is he just strictly a Russian oligarch? I mean, if you look at the business aspect of our team when we were getting players and we loan them out, we loan out so many different players. I think that his number one focus is uh, Chelsea Profits. as an investment, right? Yeah. And then Chelsea as a football club. So, I mean, and that, you know, through the through his ownership, we've gone through so many ups as well as a lot of downs. But, you know, but I think the ups are something that we need to emphasize because, I mean, I think although we've had a couple of rough seasons, um, I would rather take our last 15 years over, you know, Arsenal's last 15 years or Tottenham's last 15 years, you know, like, cause there's there, we have, we have every trophy that you can think of, you know, in our, in our Arsenal, I mean, no pun intended, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's, there's going to be rough patches, but I think that the one thing that has proven true is that, um, we've been able to get ourselves out of it. Well, but that's but that's also my, kind of my argument here is that have Chelsea fans and have football fans all around the world um, been accustomed to seeing this typical Chelsea trend? And I'm using my air quotes here because, you know, when you think about it, we kind of go through the same merry-go-round every single time we get a new manager. Mm-hmm. We bring in a manager. If he doesn't perform right away, we sack him. We bring in a new manager. He performs right away. We win a trophy or two. The next season, a little dry spell. We sack them. Same reoccurrence over and over. I mean, we had it with Mourinho. Um, we, we had it with Ancelotti. He won a double and got sacked the next year. We had it with Mourinho again. And now we have it with Antonio Conte. And I just think it's really concerning that, like, you know, we're kind of turning into this club that is almost predictable. How are you supposed to be a top club in the world if you're not willing to invest one in the manager um, and two in the right personnel to support the world-class players on your team. And I know that's an argument I'm going to get into a little bit later, but what's very concerning for me is how we expect Thibaut Courtois and Eden Hazard to sign these contract extensions when the club has shown no will to be aggressive in a transfer market as of late. I know we re- I know we signed Alvaro Morata, um, but in my opinion, I don't really see that as a marquee signing. Um, there weren't many clubs that were suiting him at the time. Um, from what I could recall, AC Milan was mildly interested, and Manchester United was really the only other club. Um, it's not like we're going after big names, uh, game changers, where we know that these guys could come right into our squad and become world class in a year or two. We're investing in young guys who have little to no experience um, playing at a big club for the most part. And we're finally seeing the result of that. Um, the pressure is mounting. We're in four cup competitions. We've had this nonsense one player in, one player out bullshit transfer strategy. And there just hasn't, there just doesn't seem to be a vision for me. And as a Chelsea fan, that's incredibly concerning because we always paint this illusion and we paint this picture of ourselves that we aspire to be up there with the Bayern Munichs, the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas, um, all the major clubs, the Juves of the world. And right now we're just kind of sitting a tier below it and we're teetering and not in a good way. Um, it's For me personally, that's my major concern. And like I said, we're going to dive into it a little bit later, but I just kind of felt like getting it off my chest well, right now. Before we get into this Watford match, just one last final question. Do you think, um, I mean, for those of you who don't know, uh, Roman Abramovich is going through a, a divorce right now with his uh, current wife. And um, do you think that this divorce and uh, has anything to do with his reluctance to shell out money to compete with the other teams, this transfer, these past couple transfer windows? Um, I do, obviously, I mean, you, it'd be silly to assume that it didn't have any effect whatsoever. I think it does have an effect, but What's I the don't addition think of, of the, of the new, of the new stadium coming there. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You just kind of answered my question. Uh-huh. I, I, I think, I think that's what it is. Um, I know Roman's been reluctant to just kind of shell out money for the stadium renovation. 
And I mean, that that's all well and good because it is a pretty penny. But, um, you know, we are looking at outside investment for that as far as I'm concerned. And if I'm wrong, someone could fact check me. But as far as I know, we're looking at uh, outside investment opportunities to build the new stadium once it does get approved. Um, and I just think that's maybe a reason why Roman doesn't want to spend any money right now. Um, it, 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 it's concerning and, and, and it really bothers me because teams know that the Premier League has money. I mean, it's no secret anymore. Ever since they signed that that multi-billion dollar deal with NBC, teams like West Ham have been able to go out and spend $40, $50 million in a transfer window without breaking a sweat. And it, it, other clubs know that all over Europe. And now when we, when we want to purchase their players, they're going to charge us top dollar for it. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, um, or, or even right after Leicester even won the title, how much do you think Danny Drinkwater really would have sold for? Do you really think he would have gone for forty million? Not even close. No. I mean, if you if you take the transfer if you take the transfer windows inflation into account, let's say the transfer window, let let's say we have the same prices same prices for the transfer window as it was five years ago. We go out and pursue Danny Drinkwater. How much do you think he'll get sold for? Twenty, twenty five, maybe. And that's still expensive. You know, it it's it's almost nonsense how Paul Pugba could go for a hundred million. And then the next season, that, that transfer record gets absolutely blown out of the water by, you know, other clubs all around Europe. And this massive inflation happens. And somehow Chelsea, who originally started as the buying club, somehow backs out of their transfer strategy. I mean, I'm not saying that we should go out and purchase every single top class player possible. But, I mean, give me a fucking break. Yeah, to, you know, just look at it this way. Uh, this was six years ago. Or I think it was five, six years ago when we got Eden Hazard from Lille, we paid like 30, 30 million pounds for him as a transfer fee, and it wasn't like he was a you know a low key player. I mean, I think he was a hot commodity. Yeah, at the time. I think I think most people knew that he was the next big thing, and uh, for thirty thousand. I mean, sorry, for 30 million pounds today, I mean, that's not going to get you anywhere. 30 close. million pounds today, what does it get you? Zappacosta? It, it wouldn't even get you Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> no, it won't get you Danny Drinkwater. And it's not a knock on him, but, I mean, going back to the concern, like, we are pursuing these we're, – we're not pursuing A-plus players anymore. We're not even pursuing A players anymore. Mm-hmm. We're pursuing these second-tier guys. Uh, for example, I mean, we've been linked to, to Alexandro all summer long. Um, actually, ever since Antonio Conte became our manager, a 70 million, 65 to 70 million pound Alexandro, and somehow we settle for a 20 million Emerson, yeah, who that's, is coming that off is and, a settlement. And, and, that's a settle. Yeah, and you know, instead of going and pursuing uh, a world class right back to compete with Victor Moses, we go and purchase uh, Davide Zapacosta, who, I mean, for me, is not cutting it as of late um for 20 some odd million and is not even competing with Victor Moses for that starting spot who's who's completely out of form like my that's my concern is that the players we've replaced I mean I just kind of you know proved my point with that last statement we're not improving the squad we're just replacing players and in some cases we're getting significantly weaker um I'll be the first to admit I thought Bakioko was a steal at 40 million considering the season he had last year and now this season no. you know we, we, we trade off in Nemanja Matic and we purchase, turn around and purchase Timo Ibakayoko and we'd have a Matic sized hole in our midfield you look up top we had probably if not the best striker in the league in in Diego Costa and we replaced him with an Alvaro Morata who hasn't really impressed um, you know, we we replaced Nathaniel Chaloba with a forty million pound Danny Drinkwater. You know, it 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 doesn't it doesn't add up for me. And there have been so many instances where, you know, we would go out and purchase a player or pursue a player, or not even purchase a player. We would go out and pursue a player openly, fail miserably, and settle for something significantly less. And for me, that's just a complete lack of vision. You cannot tell me. At this point in time, that Danny Drinkwater was Antonio was on Antonio Conte's wish list. No, I'm no. just not buying it. You cannot tell me Davide Zapacosta was Plan A, B, or C on Antonio Conte's wish list, right? 
I mean, yeah, you, you, and and you could even make the argument at this point, Bakioko wasn't even into on Antonio Conte's wish list. The more I'm watching him play, the more I'm realizing that maybe this wasn't Conte's purchase at all. Because you look at the other players you've been linked with for the center of midfield, Raja Nangolin, who's a true box-to-box midfielder. He could score goals. He could defend. He could track down runners. You look at Arturo Vidal, who's actually cut from the same exact cloth. Um you look at guys like N'Golo Conte. Those are guys that could do it all. Those are guys that could that prove themselves night in and night out. And instead, we go out and purchase a 22-year-old uh, uh, center midfielder who, I mean, don't get me wrong, was one of the best central midfielders in Europe last season, but is clearly struggling this season. And his reinforcement is Danny Drinkwater. And we're looking at a situation where Bakayoko keeps playing over and over and over again. And clearly he's fatigued. Clearly he's nervous when he's on the ball. Clearly he's not ready yet and just needs a break to just kind of recharge his batteries. But we have Danny Drinkwater on the bench who our manager doesn't even trust. It's just a lack of faith. And there's that and there's that discrepancy between the board and the manager where we go out and purchase players that he doesn't even trust. He doesn't want. He has no use for some of these guys. It's very concerning for me. And and, and I don't know about you, but you know, if this does spell the end of Antonio Conte, I mean, it's it's a fucking shame, isn't it? Like, yeah, which seems like it's inevitable, kind of at this point. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you see, you see the, you see the Antonio Conte of last season. Um, you know, on the jumping around the sidelines, jumping into the stands, like hugging the fans. Pragmatic, and, uh, enthusiastic, and, lively. And if you look at uh, Antonio Conte this past week against Watford. I mean, he just looked like a manager just waiting to get sacked. Like, no emotion. Just standing there like, I'm not kidding. Like, like he was literally standing there like, all right, just, just end me now. I um, think I, I think more importantly is that he doesn't look like a manager. I mean, he does look like a manager that's going to get the sack eventually. But the more concerning part for me is that he does not look happy at all. And I'm not saying that in sentimental terms. I'm saying that in terms of if we need to go out and pursue another manager after Antonio Conte, what in your right mind would even think that a top-class manager is going to look at Chelsea the last five or six years and say, you know what, that's a team that I want to go to? I mean, they don't last. <laughs> Nobody, gonna get, you're going to get sacked in three, four years. I mean, yeah, and, it, it's, uh, it's not good business practice. I don't think. I mean, do you look at no? You look at the great managers of you know of our generation, like. I mean, in the Premier League, you you know you think of uh, Fergie. Honest, yeah, you think of yeah, you think of Fergie and how long that he spent at um, at Man United, and you also I mean, you think of Wenger's yeah, first ten I was years. About to say yeah, I mean, as funny as it sounds now, you know, Wenger. I mean, he's been there for a long time, and he's had some you know amazing yeah the first ten years, but um, you know, it's 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 still like those guys. They they establish a culture, they make a system. And they stick to it. It's hard to stick to a system when um, you have so much turnover in the you know the manager department. And it's not even that. You look at the relationship between their board and their manager. And although at times, I mean, with Sir Alex, I mean, we all know, like it's famous that, that their relationship was rocky at times. But there was still a coherent conversation that would always happen between them. Where they were always on the same page in one way or another. I know Fergie always mentioned, and and it's always been a thing. After he'd win a title, he would always go out and purchase a top class player that could compete for a starting eleven spot, just to mix things up. Now you tell me. Besides the players that we replaced, because I mean the obvious ones, Matic for Bakayoko and Murata for for Diego Costa. But besides those two, have any of these other players that we purchased really given any of our starters a run for their money? Andreas Christensen came back on loan. Mm -hmm. I guess the only one you could maybe make an argument is Antonio Rudiger. But to be honest, let's not act like we didn't see that one coming. I mean, we all know Gary Cahill's not getting any younger. But none of these players that we've purchased or brought back have really made that step yet. And none of them have been quality enough to the point where you could look at them and immediately identify their talent and say they could bring this to the team yeah there's none of that 
You know, Zach, and, as it, much as much as I love to delay getting into this Watford match, I think we should we should get into it. Um <sighs> start talking about it. I mean, this was We spent what, twenty minutes just rambling about how fucking irritating the club has Yeah, and I think the uh... perfect catalyst for that is to just get into this this match. Um for those of you who, who didn't watch or uh, just tried to ignore it, we ended up getting uh, dominated. Four-one was the final score. Um, it was more like it was more like like a f- physical abuse, right? Like I, I think I, it's, I felt I think violated it's by the after ninety ninety-six minutes. I felt violated for sure. Um, so let's just get into this lineup real quick. Um, Again, with uh, another, we elected to go with three four three, which uh, is something that we wanted for a while. But um, it's so we have Courtois in goal and uh, back three Cahill, Aspie, and surprise uh, appearance by David Luis in the middle. Um, and then the wing backs we had Victor Moses and Zapacosta actually playing on the left side, um, which was interesting. And then the midfield in Conte, and then. Uh, that whose name I will not speak. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, baka, baka not nice. Um, but or baka not good. And then um, you know the three in front, William Pedro, and of course our uh, our favorite striker Eden Hazard. Right? I mean, we went out to get Giroud, and of course we got to play Hazard as a striker. So um, just right there off the back, I think the issue there was an issue with uh personnel and and just the starting lineup um what, what do you have to, what do you think about that i mean considering that we didn't create jack shit against bournemouth in terms of chances created we had a ready made striker out on the bench and for some reason antonio conte didn't deem him fit and yes i mean i am going on record and i am finally criticizing antonio conte I just didn't understand, for one, the team selection, and two, the lineup cha- or the the uh, the changes he made after Bakayoko got sent off. Mm-hmm. I think the last player you want in midfield after you go a man down is Cesc Fabregas. Right. For for me, it's it's incredibly confusing why he didn't go with Danny Drinkwater and just sit back and stay as organized as possible, and you know try to hit him on the counter attack where. I mean, I don't think Fabregas played terrible. Um, I think he did all he could, if that's being fair. But by no means am I going out and complimenting him and saying that he played a game worthy of praise. But you know, at, that for one, that 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 surprised me. And two, we keep sticking to this Eden Hazard false nine nonsense, and it just it does not work for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's it was, you know it was an experiment, and I think it's uh. It's 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 done. I think I think it's good, you know, if we switch, if we see a situation where, you know, another team has uh, something we could exploit defensively, and Antonio Conte decides to switch it, switch to that formation or to that front three, you know, midway through a match or whatnot. That's fine. I mean, I you know, situations always change, but it's just it's becoming very predictable because Hazard doesn't have the same presence that a striker has and that's not a knock on him we're just asking him to do something that he's not naturally capable of doing and i mean we saw it when Giroud came on he made an instant impact and he finally you know exploited the gaps in the back line he finally started budging barging around their center halves and and it was wreaking havoc for a couple minutes until you know obviously we tied the game up and then they somehow parted us like the Red Sea and, and smashed three more goals past us. But, you know, I, I guess I want to just start talking about Bakioko. Yeah. Um, well, actually, by the way, uh, I use this app called One uh, One Football, and uh, very satirically, he was voted the uh, player of the match by a long shot. And uh, <laughs> definitely some uh, Chelsea haters or um, fed-up Chelsea fans just voting him as a joke, but by far – voted the player of the match but um for those of you who did not watch he was definitely not the player of the match um that was that was just an awful awful performance i mean within the first 10 minutes he created 
like three chances and not for, not for, for Chelsea, them. for Watford. Created three chances for Watford. I mean, it's what is wrong with his first touch? Uh, I, I, I can't figure out. I mean, for me, like, he had a he had he has issues with his uh with his visibility as far as you know if he's playing in a midfield with only two guys in it um he's going to be for the most part uh outnumbered in the midfield by the opposing team so he's going to have to and for the most and you know for the most part the player that he has to look to is like pass out to is uh you know one of the wing backs but um, you know, I kind of relate that a little bit to you know John Obi Mikel, um, because he 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 kind of had that same issue. But the issue that you know the the thing that John Obi Mikel had that was you know that Bakayoko can't even you know light a flame under is his his first touch and his ability to not give the ball away. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I I saw that comparison a little bit, but just the fact that. You know, if you if you don't have a first touch, you can't control that. Um, it's you're really serving no purpose in a two man midfield. Here's the thing, John Obi Mikel, as for as much slack as he got, when he was called upon, I don't recall him having a shocker. Yes, he was boring, and yes, he only played the ball sideways and backwards, but I can't remember a time where he misplaced the pass so terribly that it wound up at, to the other team's striker. I can't remember a time where he 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 would miss touch where he would miss time his first touch and give the ball away in the middle of the pitch. I I just can't. At least he was reliable. And the thing with Bakioko is he 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 hasn't put together a full 90 minutes where we could look at him and say wow this is what he could offer us when he's on his game because we could slack off players all we want but deep down inside we know what a player really offers a team the best players in the world are entitled to bad games that's just a fact i mean with any sport that's a known fact you know sometimes it just isn't your day and you know the issue i have with bakioko is i kind of see what chelsea saw in him when we purchased him I see the physicality, you know, I, I, I see the athleticism, I see the ability to shield the back line when he has some sort of desire, but the problem is he doesn't have desire, and I know it's a cliche, but give us something to cheer for, and he hasn't given us anything to cheer for, I don't care if you throw out the worst possible starting 11 you could think of, even if it's a pub side for all I care, if they bust their ass, and if they play with desire to wear the shirt and wear the badge proudly, then you can't slack them off. And for me, there was just a complete lack of effort. And it's not only from Bakayoko. I saw this from David Luiz. I saw this from Victor Moses. Surprisingly, you saw it from Gary Cahill, too, who doesn't, yeah. who and doesn't often put out really bad starts. But I think that was just – he had a I mean, really bad poor performance that game. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we all know Gary Cahill will do anything for the club, but – you know, so I kind of exclude him from the list in terms of desire, but I mean, he just had a yeah. shocker as well. But I mean, in terms of Bakioko, like if he's either brilliant or he's complete shit, right? And I mean, it's understandable. Like the new league, it's it's a lot more physical. It's mentally demanding. I sound like a broken record because I literally repeat this, and 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 I've I've been the biggest supporter of him since he came into the club. And if you listen to our pod, every time Bakioko's name is mentioned, I always go on some rant about the Chelsea fans needing to be patient with him. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm, I'm going to go on a different rant, Sam, okay? For the fans that were singing your fucking shit to Bakioko as he's walking off the field, you have no business, no right being a Chelsea supporter. Fuck off, right? You either support the players who are part of the club or you go fuck yourself. I mean, it's that simple. I have no tolerance for people who boo or people who curse out a Chelsea player uh, before, during, or after a match. Moaning and groaning, and you said this before too, Sam, moaning and groaning is different than booing. And we are booing. What good do Chelsea fans get out of that? Is it going to make Bakioko try harder next game? Is it going to make him focus more? Is it going to make him start magically playing like the way he was last season at Monaco? 
if you think so, you're ignorant and you're stupid. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't want those type of people even listening to my podcast. Listen, Zach, Zach. because you're not real Chelsea fans. Look, I hold on. Before I just want to just get into real quick, just because I'm not I'm not going to blindly support something that I don't agree with. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily boo him. Um, but you know, saying support the players or you aren't a real Chelsea fan, that's just wrong. Like, think about this. In the alternate, do you think cheering him on is gonna make him play like less shit? No. Like, Zach, we paid forty million pounds to sign a guy whose second touch second touch for the most part is a mistimed tackle and getting a card. I mean, I as a Chelsea fan, I completely regret this move now and I miss the shit out of Nemanja Matic, who is now playing well for one of our rivals. I mean, it, it, if, 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 if that makes me a fake Chelsea fan to not support a move for a player like him that just really plays deflated, then I guess I'm not a real Chelsea fan. But No, I, no, no, no. I, I think you're misconstruing what I'm trying to say. Sam, if, if you're watching a Chelsea match or you see the, if you see the lineups, if you see the lineup announcement an hour before a match, right, and you see Bakayoko's name on it, do you look at his name and say, I don't want him to play well? Do you look at his name and say, I hope he plays like shit? Or do you say, oh, you uh, know what? I kind of say I, I, I don't know, know he's going to play like shit. <laughs> Well, well, I, fair enough, but at least you're not cheering against him. Like, if Bakayoko comes into what, let's say after his ban, he comes back and and, and he scores a hat trick. What, what, are you are you gonna keep booing him? I actually read this article saying that uh, Chelsea is 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 petitioning to try to get his ban to six games so that uh, <laughs> we don't have to have him for six matches. Um, look, look. I completely understand the frustration with Bakioko. I get it. And 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 he just looks a player short on confidence. He looks like a player who's shackled by, you know, the micromanaging that Antonio Conte does. I mean, for all we know, maybe Antonio Conte's managerial style just doesn't blend well with Bakioko. Maybe it's a clash of personalities. Maybe it's the system. I mean, who knows? The jury's still out, but I'm going back to my point. You cannot boo the players. You cannot chant his name and say he's fucking shit as he's walking off the field. That's uncalled for. It shouldn't happen on in any sport, in any stadium, to any player, for any club. It just it, – it's, it's completely uncalled for for me. Yes, maybe he wasn't playing with desire. Yes, maybe he is playing like shit. <laughs> yes, he was by far the worst Chelsea – the worst performance by a Chelsea player I have ever seen. Um, but yet again, I'm still relatively young, but th- it does not give you the license to boo a player and to chant his name in that kind of manner. I don't know, um, especially player, if you're if you're the home supporter. When I see it, a player wearing you know a blue jersey with our patch on it and uh, making basically a mockery of it, um, I'm I'm gonna get really upset. It's not it's not an intentional mockery though, and that's the of thing. Of course not. But I mean, he's, he's just he's, going he's, through. He's, repre- he's representing us. I, I I understand, but but if you were at the Watford match, Tom, would you be singing along? I I, I no, I, I I said that I wouldn't be booing him, but you know, still, exactly. I, I, but I understand why people would be booing him. It's it's if it's you don't a shame. if you don't want to see if you don't want to see him anywhere near the squad ever again. Fair enough, that's your opinion. That's fine, but it doesn't it gives you no license to go and, and boo him and chant his. I mean, that's all I'm going to say about that. I think we agree. I, th- um, I think it's, it's. I think we agree in principle. It's funny how, how we're talking about him. It's as if he played sixty minutes. He was sent off within thirty minutes of the match. Um, I mean, just to just talk a little bit about that second yellow card. What do you think? Was should he, should he have gone that second yellow? Was that a blessing in disguise, or uh, <laughs> or I mean, was that just dooming us for failure? Look, at first glance, I was. Pretty shocked that the that the referee gave another yellow card, and and the first thought that went through my head is, oh fuck! I mean, he only gave him a yellow card because he was on one, and you know he lunged into that tackle, and you know I mean he he was basically asking for it, but I mean watching it again, yeah, he clearly made contact with the other player, mm-hmm. and it was excessive, and maybe it wasn't worthy of a yellow card at face value, but considering that the player's already on a yellow card. 
considering the way the team is playing, considering the way he's playing. Yeah. Um, that comes off as a frustration foul more than anything. You, you and, need to pull, you and, need to pull and, out if you're making, you know, if you lose the ball and you're on a card, you pull out. You don't make mm-hmm. a move like that. By the rule of law, you're asking for a second yellow. Yeah, and and and, you know, I mean, the the footballing rule goes like like an arrogant tackle like that, a reckless one like that, is worthy of a yellow card. And I mean, if you just take the whole situation um, at face value and and look at that, yeah, it's 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 a yellow card. And I think the referee was right to send him off. I think the more important question that needs to happen or needs to be asked with Bakioko is what do we do from here? I mean, does he just kind of fade away into, you know, the long train of loans that we have? Or um, does he just take a, a couple match hiatus away from the squad? Zach, at this point, I mean, gets a honestly, little cuddle. I, I can't. I, if I had the answer to that question, I'd be I'd be a manager right now in the Premier League. I mean, even Antonio Conte can't figure it out, and he's world class. I mean, frankly, at this point in time, I I have to say I'm I'm done with Bakayoko. I can't. I don't want to think about him. I don't want to figure out how we can fix him, how he can we can fit him in our future plans. Because as far as I'm concerned, I think we're better off if he's not included in our future plans. And that might be a little bit harsh, but from you know, how I stood on Bakioko before this match, and then just with the addition of how he looked and how he performed, um, I think that was just the last straw. Um, I, I, I don't know what to do with him. I, I, I can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we both agree with that point. I, I, one thing that I do want to mention, because I want to move on from Bakioko, because, I mean, the more we yes, talk yeah. about him... The more angry I get, <laughs> the more depressed I get. Um, I want to talk about David Luiz. So he came back in um, middle of the back three, and surprising th- start. I out of nowhere. Look, I would be a liar if I said I didn't. I I would be actually I would be a, a compulsive liar to say that I'm not surprised that uh. That I wasn't surprised that, that we conceded with David Luiz in the back. The second I saw his name on a team sheet, I think to myself, oh, shit, it's game over because – at least in terms of conceding a goal because he's been poor, poor. And and I was a center back, and you know when I watch football, especially Chelsea, I've been blessed, man. I mean I've watched – Carvalho, I've watched John Terry, I've I've watched guys like Gary Cahill come into the club and do a job. I've seen the Bronislav Ivanoviches. I mean, I, I I've I've seen the best, right? And I look at David Luiz and I don't include him in that list. I'm sorry. I know he won a Champions League with us, and I know you're a supporter of his, but the same way you're done with Bakioko is the way I'm done with David Luiz. I'm sorry. And I, I'm starting to buy into that stock as well zach don't worry and look like i i know i know that yes he's been in and out of the squad he's had the role with the manager um and i know that he won us the champions league and a premier league last year um as one of our standout players but he's just not good enough and you know you look at his track record before before we sold him to paris and you look at a guy who's not tactically aware, um, who has strengths but never plays to them, who constantly tries to dribble the ball out of the back, gives the ball away in silly places, um, confuses his position uh, with as a center midfielder. Um, it's just very fucking irritating. And, and and going back to my point, as a center back, Sam, watching this game, I wanted to pull my hair out because that second goal, when they showed the instant replay – Watch David Luiz. If you still have the game recorded on your DVR and you're listening, watch it, please, for the love of God. Watch David Luiz's movement on the second goal. He just watched he it. Didn't, <laughs> he didn't even jog. And for me, for me, that's just not good enough. It's not good enough. That's not Chelsea quality. And I think I think everyone now is finally starting because I know the Chelsea fan base was divided. Everybody knows Christensen's class mm-hmm. and everybody knows he's the future of our back line.
But a lot of people were still kind of saying, hey, well, David Luiz needs to figure in one way or another because, you know, he's fantastic. And, you know, fair play to you. But I think my point is proven. He doesn't deserve to be in our starting 11. And, you know, for a player on the wrong side of 30, considering that we're a club that only offers one-year contracts, I don't know if Conte is going to be here next year or not. Most likely not. But I know for a fact that next manager is going to have David Luiz under a microscope. There is no way, there's absolutely no way that he gets into the squad before Rudiger or Zuma when he comes back next year or Christensen. There's just, no there's, way. there's no way. And, and if we do ditch the back three, his career is finished for sure as a Chelsea player. 100%. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that's what I got from this match. I just reminisced and thought about it and I'm just like, wow. Like we are seeing the demise of not only players like Gary Cahill, um, players like David Luiz, we're kind of seeing the demise of the whole club, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know how I feel about this yeah, song. I, think- I really don't. And, and, and there's very few times where I'm at a loss for words as a football fan in general. I always have something to say about everything, but with this match, it's just, you just watch it and, 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 and you don't have any questions besides what the fuck. You don't have an explanation. You don't have an excuse. It's just simply not good enough. You know, I think the biggest focal point of this match um, has to be the implications uh, on Antonio Conte's future. Um, his his body language on the sideline, you know, just straight from the kickoff, it was negative. Like I said, you looked like a manager waiting to get sacked on the sideline. Um, you know, for a manager known for his passion, it was blatantly obvious that, you know, his time at Chelsea is coming to a close. And, uh, you know, he even pleaded. He asked them, he asked the the club, um, he asked the club to prepare a statement for him saying that they trust him in his work and his job. And um, surprise, surprise, nothing from the club. Um, I mean, how much longer realistically does he have, you think? Look, I mean, I guess for now the club's going to keep him around because if he got the sack, he would have gotten it yesterday or immediately after the match so he could just start on a clean slate and, you know, with a new manager. But it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, in terms of the club, like, you either want him or you don't. Like, I'm, I'm so tired of this bullshit incoherence the club has with its fan base and even with the manager and and our first team as a whole. If you want Conte, come out and fucking say it and back him 100%. If not, let's move on, right? And hire another manager so we could fire him in a year for reasons beyond me. Like, look, Conte has a joint highest winning percentage in Premier League history. He's tied with Pep Guardiola. I think it's somewhere in the 70s. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason why we should buy where we why we shouldn't buy in and support him to our fullest capability. I mean, we're a club with money. We're a club with some sort of European pedigree. Let's take advantage of that. And it doesn't make sense how the board with all these resources just doesn't back him. And it's not only him. I mean, it's 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 almost every manager that comes through our doors. Like this European way of having a, a footballing technical director and and a board of directors that all have specific jobs that the club doesn't even specify for its fan base. Like, does anybody really know what Michael Emanalo's job really was? Does anybody know what Marino Granovskaya's job really is besides I, taking pictures with players? And, and like, holding Roman Abramovich by the nuts. So I think that's that's probably more her title. Look, like... I hold a ridiculously huge bias in terms of Antonio Conte, right? Like, and I think every Chelsea fan feels the same. Like, I love the man. I I think he's perfect for a club. I don't think he's done. I don't. I don't think he's done enough wrong to get the sack by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, maybe his tactics could be switched up every now and then. Yes, maybe his substitutions could be better. But the guy's working with what he got, and what he has isn't good enough. It was good enough to win the Premier League one year, but it's not good enough to compete on four fronts. Give him the proper personnel and resources he needs because right now it's embarrassing. Like we're literally – and I hate to say it and I'm going to fucking say it. We are literally turning into Arsenal. 
and you know our group chat with our good friend Mazinsom. We had a group chat. For those of you that don't know, it's me, Som, and our very good friend Mazin, who's an Arsenal fan. And, and he Atlee, was a. Don't forget about Atlee. Yeah, shout out to Atley too, our, our our Canadian friend, who's actually a, a Chelsea fan now, which is nice. Um, he's a, he's a Bayern fan, but look. The point the point I'm trying to make is even Arsenal fans are telling us that we're turning into Arsenal. Let that sink in for a second. I'm going to repeat it, okay? Even Arsenal fans are acknowledging the fact that we are turning into Arsenal Football Club. This bullshit one-in-one-out strategy, business model that's only made for profit, it makes me sick, and I know I'm rambling – and I don't – frankly, I don't give a fuck because I love this club more than anything, Some, And it hurts seeing Antonio Conte on the sideline unhappy and helpless. And the fans love him. I love him. You love him. But for some reason, the board sees fit not to reciprocate that love towards him in the form of financial support in terms of player personnel. It's beyond me. It's It's unacceptable. I think the board needs to step up. They need to support him. Otherwise – Start the cycle all over again. Let's start it now and save everybody the heartbreak so we can continue to become a club in decline, which we are becoming right now. Look, I always love the club. I'll always support it no matter who's in charge. But we don't deserve Antonio Conte. We really don't, which is why we have to do whatever it takes to make him happy. And building off of that, we have world-class talent in Eden Hazard. We have a world-class goalkeeper in Thibaut Courtois. What vision are those three guys looking at Chelsea Football Club and saying, wow, that's a club that's building for the future? Mm-hmm. Do, you think e- stay at. Do you think Eden Hazard's looking around the pitch at guys like Bakioko and guys like Zapacosta and guys like Victor Moses and saying, man, you know what? We're going to win a Champions League one day. Or do you think he's looking at places like Madrid and Bayern Munich and Barcelona and saying – Hey, there's a vacancy. There's a spot I could take. There's a pay raise. Living in Madrid seems kind of nice, doesn't it? I know Thibaut Courtois is thinking that. I mean, I guess we could kind of move on to him, huh? Yeah, I, I, mean, just, I just, I just want to add one quick thing. I think that was your finest rant uh, out of our our existence as a show. I can't, I can't even say anything to follow up that because you you hit every every nail. I great job. I, I, that was a great job. Um, let's get into Courtois, because uh, I'm, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad someone's in top form tonight. <laughs> Fucking yeah, a. Yeah, someone's representing Chelsea in a in a good in a good way. So, Courtois. This is a quote from Courtois, which is just it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> My heart is in Madrid. Okay, it starts off like that. My heart is in Madrid. It's logical and understandable, you know, because his wife, his kids are still in Madrid. If Real are interested, they have to contact Chelsea. They never have done so. If they're really interested, my personal situation could affect it. And then he said, I'm happy here. (laughs) I could see we're heading in the right direction. The signs are positive. The desire to also tie Hazard down reassures me too. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. I feel like I don't even have to ask this question, but are you calling bullshit? I mean, what what is he saying? Fuck yeah, I'm calling What's bullshit. What's he saying? <laughs> <laughs> smells like it, right? Look, man, this reeked of his agent just ripping him a new one after his initial comments. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could totally hear his agent in a phone call saying, "Tebow, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to drive your price down. Clubs are going to lowball Chelsea. Chelsea are going to be reluctant to sell you now. You know, all my agent fee's going to go away. You know, look." I am so over Thibaut Courtois. Like, I get it. He's world-class. Maybe there's not a lot of keepers like him in the world, but it's kind of a I'm, Donna, I, huh? I'm just I'm just so done with his bullshit. I'm so done with this, with this back and forth. I mean, we talk about the incoherence between the board and, 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 and the fans, but between the board, the fans, and the first team, you know, like the, that, that triumvirate of incoherence, we could call it, but what about the incoherence between just Thibaut Courtois and the fans? Like, yeah, my heart's in Madrid, but I love Chelsea. I'll stay. I don't want that. 
I want someone who's going to who's going to do whatever it takes to stay at the club. I want someone who wants to be here. If he wants to leave, the door's right there. You know what I mean? I, I I'm over him. I actually want him gone at this point. You know, I've I've gone out and defended him before and said like, yeah, he's world class. We have to keep him even if he doesn't, you know, even if he's not going to be here for the long haul. Look, I mean, with a quote like that, it's clear he doesn't want to be here now. And 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 do you want proof? I mean, do you think there's no sarcasm in the signs are positive. I can see we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, that, that's sarcasm. Are we really headed in the right direction, Psalm? Courtois in goal. I mean, do you think he watches the matches? Or do you think he just watches the ball get smashed in the back of the net three times at home against Bournemouth or four times on the road against Watford? Is that what he's seeing? Is he seeing a team that's positive? Is he seeing a club that he wants to be at? Look... There, there's really no hard feelings. Like, if your heart's in Madrid, go. It is what it is. <laughs> the thing that just drives me nuts is that the players know how the fans feel about mind games, and yet he still continues to play them. And it just drives me insane. And and and, and from a professional standpoint, I think it's, I think it's silly. I think it's incredibly unprofessional of him. And and, and I think after he leaves the club. He's not going to have an affinity with the fans. I don't think we're going to warm up. To, I, 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 do you really see him getting a guard of honor when he was in the Champions League? Do you really see him getting any sort of ovation from the Chelsea fans if we see him in the future? I don't think so. I'm definitely not clapping for him. I mean, if you don't want to be at the club, get the fuck out. It's as simple as that. We just want to see players that want to be at the club. We want to see players that try. You know, we want to see passion. That's what we want to see. None of this. Yeah, yeah, I'll stay, I guess. But if Real Madrid want me, like, here's my agent's phone number. Fuck you. <laughs> like, who, who are you? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess a more important question, Sam, is how do you feel about that? Because, like, I, I mean, I'm going on this big rant, but I, it's it's. It's. I think you. The, the main thing that I want to just touch upon about that you said was how, how the fans are supposed to feel about it. Um, how are we supposed to back a player who is saying that his heart is in Madrid? Um, like, no hard feelings. It is what it is. I mean, it's cool playing for Chelsea, but that's where I want to play. I mean, yeah. Why do we? Why do we want someone? I mean. It's it's hard to say that because it's not like we're going to find a replacement for him like that. But why do I want someone on my team who says his heart is not with the team? I mean, realistically, it's 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 we need him. Um but I think that if we lose him, which it looks more inevitable than ever, and we end up losing Eden Hazard and Conte walks, or me most likely gets sacked. Um, I mean, right now after this after this Watford match, I've I've officially upgraded um, Chelsea to Defcon three uh, on the Defcon meter, and once they leave, um, we're going up to Defcon two. Zach, that's, hashtag that's the next step to nuclear war. That's hashtag it. hashtag free Willie, am I right? Let's get Willie in there. <laughs> free Willie. Oh, let's get let, yeah. let's get Caballero back in goal. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's let's have him play for the next uh, three years. Then he can finally retire when he's almost forty years old. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm 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 ready to just. I'm I'm I don't know if I think I'm ready to like blow it all up and just start anew. It make it it's it's tough to say, but I just like right now we're playing with a three four three, with uh zero at this point quality wing backs. I mean our best wing back is uh, also our best striker, isn't he? (laughs) Who's not even a wing back exactly? I mean I'm I'm not sold on three four three anymore. Uh, I I kind of I'm feeling like we need to start playing four in the back again. And I think we do have the personnel to do it right this moment, but um, I think that it it realistically, I think the only reason why Antonio Conte is still here, and this is just kind of backtracking a little bit, 
is because we still have Champions League matches against uh, Barcelona. And, um, you know, although last time we played Barcelona in Champions League, we did have a a freshly appointed manager after a fresh sack. um, And we who actually gave Bayern Munich the sack, if you know what I mean. Yeah, in, in the in the finals, we ended up winning it that year. So I mean, I'm I'm saying I'm kind of contradicting what happened, but um, you know, maybe the the club is thinking that oh, we don't. I mean, they're not thinking we have a chance against Barcelona because we don't. They're thinking oh, let's just not get completely embarrassed. You know, let's put up a little bit of a fight. But um, you know, looking back in history, maybe uh, sacking him before that match might uh, do us a solid. I mean. We might be able to call up Di Matteo. I don't know. I mean, I mean, right now, right now, I'm sitting in my man cave, and I actually have a poster of Didier Drogba right next to my desk where I record. Ooh. And I'm just, I'm just looking him in the eyes, and I'm just, just telling him how much I miss him. You know, saying a little prayer. I miss him too, Zach. King of Sanford Bridge. I mean, look, like. <sighs> whatever whatever we said in this podcast um whatever just went down let's just go on record like we love the club more than anything right and we just want to see them go in the right direction we don't want to see players with no desire we don't want to see players who don't want to be here we don't want to see this publicized uh mess of 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 communication between the board the first team the manager and the fans we just want to see some level of stability more than anything i mean it doesn't even have to be immediate success we just want to know where the club is going to be at three four years down the line fuck that i mean even two years down the line we're only a year and a half into conte's reign and he went from being the savior um just seven or eight months ago to being you know the curator of this fall from grace and it's sad but i mean i guess that's chelsea you know i I was listening to this one radio show um and there was he said something really funny it was about antonio in regards to antonio conte saying that you know when a horse gets sick um they start calling him blue and, uh, you know, then they take him out into the back, you know, do their way, and they turn him into glue. So, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, I'm going to start, I might be calling Antonio Conte blue from now on, because <laughs> I think uh, he's coming, he's, his head is coming close to that chopping block. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Zach, this, is, we're already an hour in, and we haven't even, we, we've reviewed one match. And we haven't even gotten into our preview of this uh, next matchup against West Brom, which well, is I there much that. is there much to preview? To be honest, I think I think the the main thing we, that needs to be said is that I think this Antonio Conte's career, I mean his future with the club, entirely rests on how we play against West Brom because it's not like you know. Bournemouth is is I think they're they're a decently quality team. Um, same with Watford, and you know they 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 played really well against us. But West Brom is in such incredibly poor form right now. Um, right now they're dead last in the Premier League. They've only won one match since uh, Tony Pulis was fired back in November, um, and the first the last win before that was in August against Burnley. Um, so. I think that if we don't, I mean, a win would be nice, but I think we just need to dominate them. I think anything short from that is going to be so, so bad on Antonio Conte's future. And I just, I just like want to see, I'm so, I, a part of me doesn't even want to watch the game because I'm afraid of what, what's going to (laughs) happen. But the other Uh... half of me just is dying to see our clubs or the, our team's reaction because you know after the after the last Watford match Antonio Conte gave the team three days to just you know take off get their minds right and I want to see 
if those three days really paid off, if they were able to get their minds right and just just go for it, you know, like yeah, it's 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 it, we haven't had a team. I mean, we haven't had a match in the past you know month and a half. I mean, this new year in twenty eighteen, we've 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 been so subpar. I mean, subpar. I just want to spank very, someone. It's a very very light way of putting it, but we've been shit. Um, I want to see. I want to see Giroud. I want to see Drinkwater. And I want to see one of our youth players come in. I want to see maybe an Ampadu appearance. I, I, I do. Want, I, I totally forgot to mention this. I kind of want to just quickly bring it up. Um, Ross Barkley pulled a hammy. Um, yeah. This is like, what, the sixth player to have a hamstring injury? I think injury. It's, no, it's number eight. Eighth, eighth player to have a hamstring injury this year. I mean, is this is this just bad luck? I'm thinking more. It's Antonio Conte's uh, training method. Um, what? Wh- how? What do you? What do you make of that? I mean, how does that affect us? I think. I think you could chalk off the first seven to Antonio Conte's training regimen. But I mean, you look at Ross Barkley. Was it the same hammy? I'm not sure. But was it the same hammy that was surgically reattached? Um, <laughs> I, if someone could fact check us, I mean, that would be great. But I mean, he's a guy coming back from injury. I mean, you know, his hammy's not going to be 100. percent But I, I want to go back to the West Brom game because yeah. you brought up a good point. We just need to go for it. We need to win. That's it. If we win, we'll be fine, or maybe not fine, but fine for now. And to be honest, I don't think we'll win by much because we've seen this trend before, and history always repeats itself. We're not going to go in there and smash them four or five nil like we should if we were in proper form. But we're going to go in there and, you know, West Brom's most likely going to give us a hard time. I mean, they're going to look at the Bournemouth match and they're going to look at the Watford match and say, hey, if we press the shit out of Chelsea, they're not going to fancy it. And, you know, let's go for it. Let's do the same thing that they did that, that, that they did to Chelsea and, and maybe we can nick a result. And I, I and, know new new Loney and uh, X X Blue Daniel Sturridge is gonna be is gonna be looking to score against us. Oh my God! I mean, we had what Ake De Bruyne, Sala, David Luiz at PSG, Lampard at City. I mean, who? <laughs> how many more players are there that have scored on us? Former players of ours. I pray to God, Danny Drinkwater. Does, I mean, Danny Drinkwater. That Daniel Sturridge doesn't score against us. That would be bad. I would. I would. I mean, as long it, the only way I would be okay with it is if we're up like four or five nil, and you just nix one in, and and you know, in injury time, like that's great. That's fine. but we all know that's not gonna happen. Zach, I mean, do you even do you even dare to make a prediction for this match? Because I'm not. I'm I'm I am withholding. I'm I'm not going to make a prediction because I'm I have no idea what what's gonna happen. Two one Chelsea. I I think I think we're gonna give away a silly penalty in the first five minutes of the match. The whole world is gonna collapse. <laughs> Daniel oh Sturridge is gonna God. smack it in the back of the net, and at <laughs> halftime, Antonio Conte is gonna bring on Callum Hudson Odoi, and him and Olivier Giroud are oh. gonna tear West Brom a new one in the second half. And then you're gonna wake up from your dream and be like, "Shit, did we really lose to West Brom? Oh my God." Yeah, that's exactly what's <laughs> gonna happen. Look, I'm not giving a prediction for this match. <laughs> I'm not. I, 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 I don't want to, and I know it's, it's a, it's a podcasting sin, but so it's no. on the record. This is the first match that we have not pre- made a prediction, and it's for, not that I don't want to make a prediction. I'm terrified for good cause to yeah. make a prediction. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what, what do you really expect us? Like, just looking at the last two matches, you really expect us. To win this match, I don't know. I think yeah. I mean looking at the team as a whole and the season as a whole. Yeah, I do. But looking at our form in the past two matches, really don't want to say anything else about this. But yeah, just a just a quick shout out to at Chelsea Eric on Twitter. He sent us the most awesome uh, meme of all time. It was a it was a movie poster of the breakup, and instead of Jennifer Aniston, instead of Jennifer Aniston's face. Um, he actually photoshopped uh, Chelsea uh, football club's face and then um, had Antonio Conte on Vince Vaughn. Uh-huh. 
So, I mean, just something interesting there. Like he was saying, like, like, I, like, I hope we're not Jennifer Aniston. I hope we're not going to break up with, with, with Antonio Conte. So shout out. That was awesome. Do it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, is there anything else to add some? Because I know we could go on for four or five more hours about the calamitous state of Chelsea Football Club. I just don't know how much my heart can take. Hopefully I don't drop dead before our next episode. No, so. no. Well, um, I'm currently uh, sitting next to a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, um, nice. the honey flavor. So I think I'm just going to take a couple shots and cry myself to sleep and pray to King DDA. Means that simple, right? That'll fix all our problems. Anyways, um, that brings us to the end of the pod. So if you enjoyed it, let us know. We've been having so much more interaction with the Twitter world. Um, a lot of pages have been giving us shout outs. Um, you know, the usual suspects are always tweeting at us. Keep doing it. Like, it's fucking awesome. We love you guys. Um, anything for you to say, Sam? Or, I just, uh, I already said it. Yeah. I mean, Sam doesn't want to talk to you guys. So, um, just tweet me then, I guess, because I'm the only one that matters anyways, right? Right. Uh, Wait, yeah. No. For all. Right. Oh, right. No. Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, we'll see you guys next week. Make sure to follow us on SoundCloud, uh, Roman's Empire Pod, on iTunes, Roman's Empire Podcast, right? Roman's Empire Podcast, yeah. Um, and uh, any other way that you want to listen to us, we're available on pretty much any third party podcasting app. Um, so let us know. Give us shout outs. We love the feedback. We love you guys. We love Chelsea. We love Antonio Conte. Um, Sam doesn't like Bakioko. No, I love him. Um, and Michi Batshuayi is somehow a world beater now. Oh, Bruce Dortmund. We, we didn't even mention yeah. that. Yeah, but wow. fuck it. You know, there's so much else going on that Michi's <laughs> the least of our concerns at this point in time, which is actually a shock. So until next week. Um, we'll see you guys later and keep the blue flag flying high.